going, what's wrong with you four? You're the only four people in the world that haven't watched this damn show yet. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washman. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. It's an On Education Team Roundtable. We're going to reflect on lessons learned during distance learning, share tips on avoiding burnout when working from home, and we will discuss why some students are staying logged out during online learning. So this is exciting. Yeah. It, took, it took social distancing to bring us all together, but here we are, <laughs> friends. So we have uh, Melissa Pilikowski and Dave Blanchard with us. Hey, everyone. We're all... How's yeah. it going? This is exciting. This is very exciting. We're going to chat. We decided to just have a conversation, see how everyone's doing, do a check-in, so to speak, make sure everyone's healthy and staying alive in this crazy time. <laughs> And, um, you know, um, just, yeah, hang out. I thought it'd be a good way to spend a Monday night. So, um, hey, listen, I, I don't know about anyone else out there, but I'm, I'm still playing games a little bit. And, and I actually introduced Glenn to a game last night <laughs> called Satis. I'm in, I, I am like so into this game called Satisfactory. It is yes. a it is a rabbit it's hole. It's, it's a rabbit hole like <laughs> like some of these other games I get into, like how I was playing Oxygen Not I Included for like. Was just going to ask you how it rated against Oxygen Not Included. So right up there. It's different, but it's it's got that those same mechanics that like lock you in. Um, but it's, I, I don't know, how would you describe it, Glenn? What's, what's satisfactory? Um, it's kind of like a SimCity type of game, I would say, because you uh, collect, uh, in this case, elements um, and fuel and some other types of environmental things. Yeah. And then you end Minerals. up creating machines that then uh, are pulling the ore from different areas and then you're building other machines from those machines and mm -hmm. kind of con interconnecting all of these factory types with, of yeah, things, with conveyor, like conveyor belts, belts and electrical and power. Like, oh, yeah. What's really cool about it though is that it's really pretty. The yeah, game totally. itself is, is, the world itself is really uh, just amazing and it's like a day-night cycle. It's very very pretty i i was blown away by that part just looking around the environment so the gameplay is is interesting and i just you know i played it for like about an hour with mike so we'll we'll see how it actually ends up uh going for us but um yeah i think it's got a lot of potential and it's it's only in the what's that in beta mode mike it's not yeah, really it's still even, in early it's access even, yeah it's not even like fully developed yet though it felt like a yeah, it's, full it's really, style game. Yeah, it's super polished. Uh, are you playing anything else, Glenn? What have you been? What have you been up to? I play Hearthstone. Every <laughs> you're Hearthstone. <laughs> you're Hearthstoning. So wait, they changed all the rules, though, right? Yes. About leveling up. Yes. So they changed the entire ranking system. And <laughs> are you happy and that about was a good, this? I was. I did amazing um, the first two days as I posted yeah. a picture on Twitter, and I was. I was basically so close to the the 
top status in Hearthstone, which is called legendary status. I was actually one game away. Oh boy! And now I'm not. And then it all came. Cra- <laughs> and then it all came crashing it's, down. It's a very punishing game. Let's just call it like that. So once you start on a losing streak, it's not good. Yeah, it's not good for my sanity either. So it's all right. <laughs> that's why it's no, good to play why... a game like this, uh, satisfactory, where you're just kind of you're able to play for fun and not super <laughs> hyper competitive. So what do you guys right. do? What are you two doing during these times of of having to spend all this time at home? Anything entertaining? Oh, I am on Clash Royale like I usually am. I'm really oh, I'm disappointed though in my clan because I'm in a clan with literally like all of my junior senior boys and like in the past few days they've all stopped and i'm just like mm. i can't do all of this by myself so i'm left with that dilemma of do i stay with them do i abandon <laughs> peace out on your clash clan <laughs> what do you even clash bro <laughs> but yeah i i was kind of like the star teacher there for a while because in our whole clan i'm like usually in the top three to five right now i'm number one because no one else is keeping up with me and and showing those kids up i had quite a reputation in the high school let me tell you and now i'm like i think they have all moved on to another game and i'm Uh, i'm a a commitment yeah oh boy dave what what are you playing no you know so i brushed off my steam account i had to do the force a password reset and uh i got it downloaded and i I made my purchase on the humble hondo bundle and uh, oh nice yeah, I'm I'm ready to get going, but I just I I enjoy sleeping between you know, midnight and five a.m. So you have that, this that's, one game that's been it's my last couple of days. Sleep. That's a very yeah. smart game to play. Actually, we're gonna talk about uh, burnout and stuff, and how that might be part of the entire thing is making is sure that we actually game. get sleep. Sleep is great. No, but that's a game that I do. We could all relate to. Uh, Yes. Yeah. I'm terrible at sleep. I, I'm. That's the game I'm. I'm very, very bad at. Oh you boy! Fail. But hey, um, speaking of, I actually have some plugs uh, to make. Um, I, I actually just have one plug to make. But we, we're all. I think. I think we're all going to participate in this. See what I did Ooh. there? Um, the 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 Gone Home Game Study starts this week by the time this podcast comes out it should be it you should still have time hopefully to to go and get yourself gone home it's free on the epic game store um the game is called gone home and we are going to live stream a kind of a weekly chat about the game like a book study but a game study and on the weekly chat it's going to be myself and steve isaacs and paul darvasi and john spike which is going to be awesome. And then uh, anyone who's uh, watching can chime in on the chat and, and talk and communicate. But then there's also a whole discussion thread on on the participate uh, game-based learning community that's brand new that we just rolled out um, for people to weigh in there, talk about things. And uh, uh, I think Paul is going to tee us up 
for the first episode uh, with a post on the discussion. Uh, so you head over there to the discussion to to read that and get caught up, get the game, make sure you get it downloaded, and get ready to play and talk about Gone Home and how it's used in the classroom, um, mm. how it relates to things like social-emotional learning, which is its kind of wheelhouse. Uh, I'm super pumped about this, and I think... Uh, I even uh, Mark Otter, the the CEO of Participate, he was, he was telling me today. He's like, dude, I got it installed. I went and bought it. I'm ready to go. He's so psyched. Uh, so so really excited about um, Gone Home. Um, hey, I've does anyone watch? <gasps> you, you you haven't, haven't played, I, it? and you know what? So so I will be excited to just hey. play it through. I mean, I've I've listened to Paul speak at conferences yeah. and on the podcast about that mm-hmm. game specifically and i've read his materials on it but i've never actually played so it should be interesting to just play it and and then have those discussions so i've never played it either so i'm hmm. going to be like the guinea pig in the stream so during the stream i'm going to be playing it and you'll see my screen primarily because i've never played it before steve has played it a little bit and hmm. then john and paul have both used it in teaching um so they're like experts at this so we have like two experts and, and then uh, Steve, who's played it a bit, and then myself, who hasn't played it at all. Um, so, um, you know, we're really excited. That kind of dynamic is also kind of interesting in this as well. Um, there's there's lots of... You know what? I was talking to Cheryl about this the other day, about TV. What happens to TV in like eight months? When, what do you mean? Oh. Well, because no one, no one is making TV studio. right now. I read something just today that said, and I don't remember where it was um but they said in about seven or eight months there will be nothing new out like for a while just be they'll rerun. keep putting new stuff out but <laughs> there's mm-hmm. gonna be nothing come this fall that's new it's gonna run dry eventually you just start yeah, it's gonna be just all start, reruns i mean you know how many shows are on netflix right now that <laughs> people said that i haven't watched it's like Let's start checking them all out. Okay, what about <laughs> that's what's good, that's what's good about what about Tiger King? Has anybody indulged? I haven't seen that. No. Everybody's been talking about I, it. Is it on Netflix? So, I don't know. Did you watch it? I Melissa? did not, but it, it's like yeah, everyone. So none of us have watched. Even my it. stepdad yeah. has. Everyone's watched yelling it. at us right now. That's <laughs> really. <laughs> Wait, what's wrong okay, with you? Okay, we four? we need You're to the watch only this four thing. people in the world that haven't watched this damn show yet. Yeah, I don't even know what it's about, but I know everybody's talking about it. It's about right? tigers yeah. and Carol Baskin. That's what I've gathered so far. And okay. a, and a dude who's like a complete psychopath. I like those kind of shows. <laughs> the Tiger King. Okay. Apparently. We should just have a watch party. Uh, there we go. Ah. Oh my god. We'll put that on the participate live stream. <laughs> <laughs> is that legal? Probably not. It no, is illegal. No. Remember we got shut yeah. down for doing uh, shut us down last time the election. The election. Yeah. yeah, remember that day? <laughs> Super Tuesday. <laughs> that didn't last too long on YouTube before that got pulled. <laughs> yes, it's illegal. Uh, for the record yeah. Yeah. Uh, i have someone wrote in here uh picard finished season one i'll admit uh, i'm a very bad trekkie i dropped off on it what i didn't finish watching it that's weird you oh, watched that yeah. other show though the other discovery is great oh uh, that's bad dude uh, you so can't even, was it you good? can't even call so yourself without, a trek spoiling it was picard <laughs> was picard good it is Yes, I gave it an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. So that's pretty did, good. But did you like Discovery? 
No. It was horrible. See, there, I knew there was I'm a like reason four I episodes. Like I went four episodes of really trying to watch it. And I'm like, I can't take this side. Oh, man. It's too different. It's too different than the than what I'm used to as far as for but, Star Trek is concerned. So, but Picard's not different? It is very much in line with Star Trek series. Interesting. Yes. So the first season's bad because every first season of Star Trek is bad. That's very much in line too. No, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's eight. Good. I'd say, like I said, it's eight out of ten. It's pretty good. I was I was pleasantly surprised, and there were some things that they did that I was like, eh. I wouldn't have done those things, but I could see that. But then it, the funny part, the fun and funny part, is that I wasn't expecting it to be adult centered you know if you ever watched the next generation or even back further when i was a kid it's when very, we were like, watching PG. the old the old old star trek yeah it's cheesy and kind of yeah, playful yeah. and it's and kitschy. whatever it might be and this is very there were some parts where i mean oh yeah there's flat out full out swearing in it too right it, it like was it's... it was fantastic i yeah. loved it i love that addition to it because then it was like oh this actually fits with this sci-fi theme. Yeah. So anyway, I would recommend watching it. And I have no idea how you'd stop watching it, Mike. But yeah. Yeah, weird. I'm a traitor, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I thought I knew you. Yeah. <laughs> did, 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 are either of you two Trekkies? Yeah. Um, a little bit, but I have not. I kind of stopped after Deep Space Nine. And granted, I was probably mm, like I love 12 or 13 then and i only watched it because my dad did uh but after that i never really got on board with the movies i was always just more of the the late night mm. tv watcher yeah interesting yeah no exact same thing for me deep space nine loved it absolutely one of those like uh, deep space nine is amazing yeah so yeah. underrated and uh, after that, you know, it started moving on to other things. But I go right back to the, the <laughs> days started getting of a life. That's and what, the, what David's saying. <laughs> he doesn't play games and he doesn't watch Star Trek. How did you get, how did you like. Did you have a childhood? Who? No, I was just going to say. You're friends with us and you're like the outcast. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did have a childhood. It was a good one. We fill them in black, on all of we these. Found that we've identified the black sheep. On, well, we fill yeah, them in on absolutely. all of this, like super nerd talk. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, hey, hey, Glenn, there's yeah. good news about your student loans, I hear. Yeah, actually, we had a good discussion with Dave, uh, kind of going back and forth as far as uh, when I posted this. As I went to go pay my bill, uh, as I was paying my bills, I went on to Fed Loan, which is the uh, the caretaker of my ginormous loan. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's consolidated all into one place in Fed Loans. And anyway, when I logged in, there was a message, of course, like most of the websites now have some kind of something about uh, COVID-19, et cetera, et cetera. But as I was reading that, I was like, no way. And basically what it said is that my loan had automatically been placed on forbearance until September and I could pay on it if I wanted to, but I would have to make manual payments. So it was kind of the opposite of what you would think. Filing for the forbearance, it was like automatically that happened. And then if you wanted to pay towards it, you could you could set up basically a manual payment. Uh, but it was with 0% interest until September, which I was like, 
Sounds good. Now, for a lot of us that are on uh, the public service loan uh, forgiveness program, and I think I put that in the wrong order, public service, yeah, something like that, uh, forgiveness program, which is a 10 years of on-time payments, you know, that obviously wouldn't count from right now, April to through September. But as I read closer, and this is the part that I posted, you see that, Dave? Those, these forbearance times, which is basically forgiven, you know, like I don't have to make these payments, these six payments, let's call them, count towards six more on-time payments, which I don't so even know how they, they can do that, but I don't really care. Or they, they roll your payment what? forward six more. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, as you read the, 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 you know, I went through it and I was like, eh, I don't know if this is actually correct, but I've confirmed it with a few other people who said the exact same thing. Basically, it says that it counts as payments because of the, the gravitude of the situation or whatever it might be. I have no idea how it counts for it. I was like, well, I say take that as an amazing gift. Holy cow. Yeah, big time. So, so now what, I mean, what are you going to do with the money? You know, I advised you not to, to go <laughs> waste it, but, but since you're on uh, that forgiveness program, I did have a large order in Amazon. <laughs> Those cases that you can get at Costco, you know, the, where there's like piles of Skittles of every kind of flavor. That's what it's I'm. That, lunch, I have my eye. Lunch I have, eating. I have my eye on that right now. <laughs> Haven't made the the oh, uh, pull purchase that trigger, just yet. Buddy, pull that yes, trigger. But, but I'm thinking about it. No, but it's interesting that that happened, and a lot of people obviously, you know, are in situations where this is a a humongous help, um, yeah. humongous burden lifted off their shoulders, at least for temporarily, uh, to be able to not have to go to pay those. So. I thought it was like, so, like I said, like it's a six month adjustment. Yeah. Six, six months. So, um, in six months, people are going to need to reverse bad habits again. I know. Because people you, will start spending, already that money. spending that money. Yeah. You're already like, using it. Right and those people that I mean, just on are, Amazon, are lacking I, guess. I mean, it's right not like you can go outside to a bar and party, right? Right. It's just, you know, you're just going to yeah. be at home binge shopping I'm, on Amazon. I'm going to order some more groceries that are going to be delivered. <laughs> oh, it's a spatula with the shape of a frog. I need that. <laughs> a lot of online ordering is going to happen. Right. Yeah, It's a garbage can that makes a clown noise when it opens. That's got to be mine. That would be super creepy. I hate clowns. Right? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, someone else told me that um, the money that they had saved from going out to restaurants and bars, um, you know, was being consumed by their significant other um, buying crazy, like going crazy on Amazon. So, you know, hmm. you were saving, you were saving money on one end and losing it on the other. So it's, it's a net loss probably in the end. Uh, which have is you pretty, guys found Dave and funny. Melissa that, that you guys have uh, like Nicole and I, my wife and I have, you know, at least been looking at the, the, delivery catalog basically i want to call it of all of the different restaurants you know in our area dave um but we haven't like we don't usually do that anyway and we are kind of like 
we don't know if we're going to, but we're like, oh, that's pretty cool that you can do that. You know, as far as order from all of the different restaurants, I know that Mike, you you do that kind of stuff. You did that kind of stuff beforehand. Yeah. Um, but do you guys do that? Like where you order food from the restaurants, you know, like uh, Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever the local restaurants may be and then have right. them delivered? Are you doing that now? Yeah, we we haven't done the delivery piece. And some of that is because uh, my wife, she's still working. She yeah. is essential and she has to. So if we want to pick something up, she'll grab it. Uh, but the other piece is um, it just really hasn't come up for us as a good opportunity. It does make me wonder about, you know, all the restaurants that don't do takeout or that don't do delivery that now they, they have. And what's that going to look like post COVID-19? And yeah. will they continue to do that because they found, Hey, we can charge even a little bit more. Like I know one of the best places to get steak here in, in Minnesota charges $3 more as yeah. a takeout than they do. I saw that if you sit down and I'm like, gosh, what, why is that? Uh, but it's, you know, convenience and it's a different time, whatever. Uh, but is that going to continue? That'll be an interesting yeah. thing to watch. How about you, Melissa over there in, uh, Valentine, Nebraska. Well, well, you know, <laughs> most of the restaurants around here have closed. I mean, we still have a few fast mm. food places, and our local steakhouse did some uh, takeout, and I think that they're going to stop for a while. So we have not done a lot of that, except for my son, who did order Pizza Hut today. He's 14, and... Uh, <laughs> apparently needed a pizza which now none of us are allowed to eat but him <laughs> so be it um, but you know i i hope that we can support those small restaurants you mm -hmm. know especially yeah. the non-chain ones your family-owned restaurants yep. during this time and we certainly even though we hadn't done any takeout from the steakhouse yet, we had every intention to at some point, just because we know the owners. I went to college with him and we want to support them during this time so that that way, when they open up after COVID is all over, you know, they still have a healthy business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm conflicted about we were, we were conflicted about, you know, the health risks, risks of getting takeout and, you know, or even delivery and, you know, how logistically all of that works. But, you know, I, I think for me personally, I, I, I think I'm with Melissa on the idea of especially buying from the local. Like, so we've ordered pizza once since like the lockdown ish phase uh, where we're where we're at. And um, we ordered it from kind of a local pizza place as opposed to a chain pizza place. Um they don't have multiple locations. It's just the one spot. Uh, and, and we wanted, and it's really good pizza. Like, like it wasn't like we weren't, we wanted to support that one place, you know, that wasn't like a corporation or, or owned by a bigger corporation. I mean, there's one giant corporation in Ontario that owns like at least four or five of the restaurant chains, mm. um, that are major in Canada. And it's like, I mean, yeah, I, I can imagine that there's some things going on there, you know, that are, you know, it's tough times all around, right? 
but this is one small business and this family that owns this one small business is this is their this is everything mm-hmm. uh to them and if it's gone it, everything is gone and um you know so we you know and the, the i feel for like the delivery drivers and like oh mm-hmm. man it's just it's tough for everybody and it's scary it's if you're Like, I feel so incredibly lucky that, you know, my wife is a teacher and can continue to teach and get paid. And, and, and my job is, is secure as well. I work for an education company and an online learning platform. I mean, it's, we're busy, Um, you know, and so I, I feel for uh, folks in, in professions. And when you start to think through like different professions and how they're completely like their the complexities of their job have like increased exponentially like i was thinking about the garbage collectors the other day and it's like they're out there grabbing other people's garbage from all of these other houses that are you know like mm-hmm. that would be scary as hell to me right now <laughs> like it's yeah. but it has to be done someone has to do it and it's their job but it's te- like terrifying to think that you could get sick because you went and like you know picked up someone else's trash Mm. um there's so many things like these folks that are working in the grocery stores and stuff uh obviously and that they it's funny in ontario i don't know if they're doing this other places but they closed i'm under the impression they've closed down the walmarts in ontario wow um Mm. because you can get groceries at like we have like big regular normal kind of grocery stores um, but the thing with the Walmarts is that it, it looked like people were going there to kind of like hang out, to, to get out, you know, out of the house and walk, just walk around a store like it was normal. And it's like, no, get what you need and get the hell out of here. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. right. Uh, I mean, but that's the way it, it, it's supposed to be. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't happening. Um, so I guess they've, at least I, they've closed the Barry Walmart. Um, we have two of them and I assume they've closed both of them, but it's like the complexities of so many of these different people's careers and jobs and how they've changed because of this is, yeah, I mean, we're living through a weird time, friends. It's something, you know, we're never gonna, we're never gonna forget. That's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. how's everyone doing with school stuff? Uh, every, you know, it's funny, all of us, like not me, but you three are all completely different situations. I, I can also relay about, you know, my wife, my wife teaches kindergarten, which is not conducive to online learning so how, at how all. How does she do it? Like talk <laughs> us through what is, what is her day like and how does she do online and offline and all of that? Yeah, it's tough. Um, so, so the whole province of Ontario has a contract with D2L uh, to use uh, what they call Brightspace. Um, so everyone is being encouraged to use Brightspace because that is, you know, what, you know, so they can still use Google. My son's teacher is still using Google Classroom in spite of having access to Brightspace. Um, but she's been using Google Classroom the whole school year prior to now. Um, so Cheryl set up a Brightspace um, class page. Um, she obviously realizes that when she's typing things, she's actually talking to the parents. So I think that that's probably the first thing that, you know, when you're mm. a kindergarten teacher, you had to recognize that you're actually communicating more with the parents than the kids in in yeah. some cases, right? So leaving, uh, giving instructions to the parents on how to help their kids 
you know, respond to her. So, um, but the responses that, that she's asking for are in the form of like, um, voice messages or, or, um, or video, like using Flipgrid, uh, shout out to Joe Merrill who spent 45 minutes with Cheryl in a zoom call, uh, earlier this week. Uh, so classy, uh, Kristen, Kristen was like, okay, I got you. I'll make sure that the boys are occupied and out of Joe's hair. So Joe can spend, uh, 30 to 45 minutes with Cheryl and Cheryl and Joe on a zoom call going over Flipgrid and Brightspace together. Uh, it was so, so great of him. Classy dude. Shout out to Joe Merrill. Um, did they do any cure? It's a lot of the elementary schools are. Basically, there's instructions on whatever the learning management system is, yeah. but then there's these packets of work that we're picking up every few weeks. Is that the same thing? Or so, no? I mean, no. No, 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 no. No one's picking up anything in Ontario anyways. Uh, it's oh, just, okay. it's all being delivered online. Um, okay. And and uh, I I know that you know uh, as far as I know we've we've uh, at the district level at the Peel school board level they handled you know the issues with devices and connectivity even I, I you know uh, I think we talked about last week how I appreciated that um, part of the messaging that the Peel school board has given out is that you know if you have internet problems you need to let us know that too um, we want to help you solve those problems too because those are problems you know for some people who can't afford like a internet package that supports you know three kids and two parents all working from home uh you know internet just falls apart in that case if you're not if you don't have a decent plan so she's doing a lot of like go say hi tell me what you did today here i have a little challenge for you and uh and and yeah so that's that's i guess we'll see how that goes where Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of flying blind right so we'll see how that goes how how's it with you mel um you know for me personally it's really been smooth academically wise just because this is how i've taught except that the kids have been in the classroom so at this stage they're so used to going to the daily agenda on the google doc and they're so used to the different programs that we use, that it's not a a huge jump for them. And full disclosure, I have juniors and seniors, so Mm -hmm. they're, they're pretty adaptable. I've been really impressed with the rest of my staff, though. I mean, for some of them who have really been, I don't want to say resistant to technology, but just never utilized it much. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they've, were pushed into the water and a lot of them are doing a great job not just using the technology but also using some choice boards and trying some different approaches that I haven't been seeing before so that's something that I've just really been impressed with with some of my colleagues I think the hardest part for us here in this area or at least for our high school is what do we do about graduation? Because yeah. we graduate early about Same. May 16th. That's mm. not going to happen. Six weeks from yeah. now. <laughs> well, I mean, Nebraska starts about August 10th to 15th. So then we finish mm-hmm. up mid-May. And 
we've tried to propose different things to the seniors. Like maybe we do a parade through town and every senior has a float still recognizing social distancing. And some of the seniors are on board with that. And some of the seniors Mm -hmm. totally understandably have their dreams of what their graduation should look like. And, you know, it's hard to come to terms with that. And then you have a lot of kids and parents and teachers who think, well, as of May 16th, we should just get them their diplomas, put some closure to it. And then you have another group who, well, let's just hold out till July and see if we can hold something there. I don't know what we'll do. It's it's difficult. Yeah. What about you, Dave? With the college setting, I bet it's crazy. Higher ed is, um, you know, kind of one of those unique pieces. Um, the system that I work for in the institution specifically, we're bright space. Uh, so it's, it's neat to see, uh, you know, that being used in, in good old Canada as well for those elementary students. It's a different version. You know, it's a Canadian company, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but, but I, I've never, um, actually met someone in the elementary setting who uses the elementary LMS. Mm, cool. Everybody sees the college level LMS and they're like, why would you ever use that? Uh, but that's what I, I live and breathe. Um, and in graduate studies, it's something where when I work with my graduate students, we're mostly synchronous online. So that's the way I kind of went into this career transition was graduates. And um, so for me, transitioning into um, undergraduate this year, it really wasn't a hard shift for me. And as we were um, kind of rotating into this response to COVID-19, it's um, a bigger shift for students. It's a shift Mm -hmm. for how people are using that learning management system to engage. And the interesting thing is, Um, we were on spring break and midway through spring break, I got a frantic text. Frantic is a wrong word, but a pretty passionate text of, Hey, I need to have conversations with you all. And it was my phone number and three other unknown phone numbers. Mm. And, um, I'm pulling you all in to support other faculty within our school to be able to flip their courses. And it's surprising how, um, in a traditional institution, People have traditional ways of delivering instruction and that instruction might not be traditional um, or doing a really good job at keeping up with the modern pieces, but it's a face-to-face campus. Um, Mm -hmm. So those instructors needed a good um, amount of support to get their courses flipped and it needed to be done with social distancing, uh, which teaching someone how to use an online platform, both video conferencing and a learning management system and tools like Flipgrid and um, the OneDrive collaborativity suites and all those aspects. So, so weeks worth of face-to-face PD uh, right there, boy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's months. Um, that's that's so, my life. So it was an yeah. interesting, interesting piece and um, definitely something I was happy to do because I knew given the couple hours at, at night, I'd be able to get my stuff prepped and flipped, but mm. other people needed that support. And I got to work with an amazing team to do that. And by us taking that role, we were able to shift the academic technology team who it's their actual job to do that, to go to other parts of their campus uh, Mm -hmm. because other departments and other schools don't have people that 
no K-12 technology well. Uh, and the piece that I was most impressed with, and Melissa, you kind of shared it too, is our staff was so engaged and so open to, I have this type of thing that I normally do. What are your ideas to help me f- do it online? Um, and if this wouldn't have been the scenario around uh, really integrating Flipgrid in a higher ed setting really well, it'd be like pulling teeth to get people to use it. But because mm-hmm. this does such an efficient way of having this asynchronous communication and dialogue and all these different pieces, regardless of the tool, um, people were more engaged to at least um, be open and try and know that everyone is stumbling at the same time, mm-hmm. including the students. Um, and it's been neat. Um, we also have that connectivity and that device access issue um, a little bit more than I was anticipating. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have students now we're three weeks into um, this transition uh, for faculty and I have students who are still without devices or still without internet access and they are commuting from different parts of campus or or different parts of, of the state onto campus um, or they were living at home where they don't have adequate internet and I can relate to that. I live out in the country where I have great DSL with great, well, terrible, terrible, awful speeds. Uh, but that's the way it is. And it's, it's a challenge for those types of learners. So we need to think about as we're developing these awesome e-teaching experiences, these remote learning in response to a pandemic experience, how we can do that in like concise pieces. Yeah. And in higher ed, being concise is sometimes challenging. I bet profs want these elaborate something or other, or they think because it's online, it's easy and uh, burnout for students. I see happening already. And and we're a week and a half in for students now. It's a good transition. How is everyone, uh, how's everyone coming around uh, to teaching online with you, Glenn? You know, when I was coming into this and we had actually two weeks to prepare for, for uh, distance learning, which was a great idea by the governor. I thought two weeks were going to be freaking rolling on all, you know, we're going to be full-fledged ahead. And this first week, because of technology was part of it, the ed tech component of it, like basically put a damper on our progress and really kind of, we got a, a, a bad false start to the, to the, uh, to the distance learning this past week. And I think it had nothing to do with, like you, Dave just described, that the teachers were ready to go ahead and go. Um, but when your technology actually doesn't work, so our learning management system doesn't work, you know, in this case, Schoology was was uh, down the majority of the time. Um, and when that happens, that's chaos. I mean, especially when you depend upon that as the hub of what you're going to be doing. Um, and then it was everything that was then connected to that. So then all of the other services beyond that, whatever you were trying to go ahead and do as far as um, the different other tools, the ad puzzles, the whatever else it might be that you were integrating with Schoology. So first week of distance learning, as far as what I have learned is that what Dave described is less is better. <laughs> Less is more. It's great for the kids, actually. And I see it with my own uh, uh, kids who are in a different district than the one that I work in, the neighboring district. 
But I just think that teachers need to realize that it's okay to pull back from the amount of content that you thought that you would have normally been able to present. Uh, and by pulling back, I mean really pull back. And then you don't, we don't know all of the different situations that are occurring out there. And not everybody has not only access and great Wi-Fi and devices, but then talk about the, all the other things that are uh, that we don't know about as far as at home. What is their home situation like in general? Um, and all of the things that people were thinking of as far as like, what about food and what about all of those things? Those are some of the layers you know, that we knew, we knew kind of coming into this that we needed to address, but we know there's all of these deeper layers. When people are, have to stay at home, that can be wonderful for many of us, but for many of us, that's not a good thing. <laughs> you know, as far as that actually puts a lot of pressure on the family unit, unit that's not used to being you know, in some cases, a small space together. And that's some of our kids are experiencing those things. So school is kind of like the last thing on their mind, though they, we want to give them the opportunity to go ahead and continue to learn and interact and engage and communicate with their peers and obviously their, their teachers. But as far as the work and, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people talking about the word holding kids accountable. I think that's garbage. You could throw that off the side. This is not a time to hold anybody accountable for anything. I was going to say, this sounds not, like a power trip to me. No, but that's that's a that's a very much like I think that people hold on to that though because it's something that they can control. So they mm -hmm. can control attendance. They can control their grades. They can control a due date. You know, like and I'm talking about educators. But this is a time where you have to let all that stuff kind of go with the flow and and yeah. and and really make adjustments to fit the kids' situation. So that's basically the first week of distance learning. What I have learned is that there's still a lot of lessons to be learned. And it's not just the technology or the access or all of the things that we were we had the foresight to kind of think ahead of, but there's it's much more complex than that. For those of us that are, are keeping a good pulse on on Twitter, we can see the continuum of mm -hmm. those districts saying teachers take what you have, cut it in half, cut it in half again. And then expect some of that to be done all the way to the other side of the continuum mm. of secondary students. You're keeping the exact same schedule, which I can, I can see a little bit, mm -hmm. but elementary students, you're also staying online for this massive amount of time. It's just, it's mind blowing to me. Um, you know, there's an assistant principal. He's a high school principal assistant here in Minnesota, Sean Peck, um, who had tweeted this on the third. So that was Friday, I believe. And he said, have you ever taken an online class? Mm -hmm. How about six at once when you were a teenager with spotty Wi-Fi and Schoology crashing and needing to share a device with siblings while trapped at home? Yeah. Filled That's, with great. Fear and anxiety. That's a great post. Yeah, me neither. Let, let's cut these kids some slack. And mm -hmm. within yeah. two days, yeah. he was at two, two, 26 and a half thousand likes. And 5.1 thousand retweets. And I shared that with my students. And then, so we pulled up the tweet today and that same tweet doubled in the number of retweets. So he's over 50,000 retweets and doubled or uh, over 10, 9,000 retweets and over 50,000 likes. Mm. And, and this, this educator like a big has name or now something just like over that. a thousand followers. 
So it's not like this massive name. It's not these edgy celebrities. Like this is an AP who started Twitter couple in 2011 mm-hmm. and, and probably hit that, you know, 2011, everybody got accounts and then they put him on the shelf for a while and he started tweeting again. And it's just so crazy to see without hashtags, without a tag of somebody that's edgy celebrity, this mm-hmm. core idea resonated with that many people where in one day and it's such a great well, doubled its impact. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy time. Um, we're going to uh, take a break. And when we come back, a New York Times article came out just today um, talking about a lot of the same things that we uh, have been talking about here. And over the last couple of weeks, we're going to um, reflect on the article a little bit. Uh, so stay with us. On Education is brought to you by Go Guardian. GoGuardian helps thousands of K-12 school districts maximize the learning potential of every student by providing solutions that help enable productive and safe digital learning. GoGuardian's products help educators identify learning patterns, protect students from harmful and distracting content, and support mental health. To support schools during their remote learning transition, GoGuardian is offering free access to their entire product suite until the end of the school year. To learn more about GoGuardian and download free resources about remote learning, visit GoGuardian.com. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Uh, a New York Times article came out today on Monday the 6th that probably isn't a shock to the four of us here and most of the folks listening, even though it is a little bit scary to see it written down in words in kind of the paper of record for lack of better words um uh you know i i I've, i was reading this article and and i've read it a few times now and, and they're definitely saying some things that glenn and i have said on the podcast over the last couple of weeks but to lead with this this quick discussion about this article we're going to link it in the show notes by the way is is my overwhelming question about this school year is should we be concerned about the the quality of learning that our students are getting and whether um, are, are kids going to need to repeat years? Should they, even if we're, um, like, I mean, there's a lack of inclination to fail any kid and, you know, and all of that stuff. Like, there's even policy in most school districts that, that children can't can't fail a grade or whatever, but we're, again, we're living in really strange times, and, you know, we will have students who didn't, weren't in a classroom for four months, and I I, I guess, I mean, the overwhelming comment in this article is, is more of a question, but they're just wondering how concerned we should be about um, whether students are going to need to repeat a grade or start early next year, or or anything like that. Uh, uh, do we share any of those concerns, or do you think we're going to be? Do you think we're going to come out of this okay, or or better even? Are those are kind of the options? Uh, what do you What do you think? Uh, let's start with Dave. You know, I see this article, and um, there's a big movement right now around how state testing is is not being done, and it's it's been wavered. So. Why do we need to stay on track in that test prep mentality, which I, I've never agreed with test prep mentality, but I have agreed with, um, you know, the academic standards in the states which we work are what we need to stick to. Um, and 
this test is supposed to be developed with that in mind. So even if we don't have a test and we're preparing our students during this time to meet the standards and we're keeping them intellectually stimulated, are we going to be completely mm-hmm. screwing them up for a lack of better by saying, nope, and now you need to repeat six months or nope, we're going to shove in four months of school into a two month and then screw up the next year. Um, I don't, I don't see a big easy button around any of it other than accept that school is going to be really challenging for everybody in, you know, that kindergarten to mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. 11th grade window for the next couple of years. I like Both that teachers, perspective. students, families, just communities, everybody. Saying it's not just about the progress made from third to fourth grade or between pre-algebra to algebra or whatever the hell you want to go ahead and, and measure year-to-year progress of a kid, you know, on a scale of standards, learning, whatever else it might be. Who cares about any of that right now? Come fall, we don't even know what's going to happen. I mean, we're mm-hmm. all pretending. That's what I always, I, I keep hearing people say, even here in Minnesota, people are thinking that we're going to go back to school in, in May because the governor has canceled school through May, but hasn't made it just basically official for the rest of the year. So that puts a mindset for a lot of people where they're just like, oh, yeah, we'll be good. We're going to nope. get back. We're going to go ahead and be able to do these things. Nope. No the one's out- going back to school for the rest the, of this school year. That, the outlook of this thing is is so unpredictable Yeah, that we don't even know what's going to happen, not only just May or this summer. Yeah. But next fall, a lot of people yeah. are already making plans. They're already like, it's okay. Oh, next fall, we're going to go ahead and get started again, and we're going to go to whatever it might be. It's just like the beginning of this, you know, as far as like how we were – a lot of us, I would say, throughout our country, at least, Mike, we were living in a fantasy land of like, yeah, it's got to, it's the flu, it's this, it's that, whatever it might be, and it, that was our reality for a long time. Now it's like, oh, okay, so it's you know, it's pretty serious. And then when people really start dying, I mean, I'm talking about the numbers that they're taught that they're prognosticating, and then a certain number of people who have already lost their jobs have lost their jobs for six, seven, eight months down the road. What does that look like in the fall? And do we even care about like whether, you know, in this article says many skills build up from one to another. Yes, that is a fact. That is true that we have to build, that we do, that, that's how we teach. You know, we're building upon a structure there, whether it be for reading or mathematics or whatever the skills may be. But these kids are, are the kids that are going through a time that we've never gone through at least i i don't know how we can go back to the dark ages or whatever it might be when there was you know the plagues that killed off many people uh and that's kind of the only thing reference that we have as far as in mind so nothing in modern times so we really don't know what's gonna happen so as far as education is concerned what we can do is do what we're doing as far as educate as as educators is forget the like the sequence you know we're going to go ahead and do the best we can with what we have and thank god i mean really this is a an amazing time because we are able to do what we're doing right now as far as connecting with our kids digitally we are in virtually we're able to go ahead and do some things that we could not do even 
five, seven years ago. Um, and that's amazing. But we know too that it's not a replacement for for what's what was going to happen as far as in the face to face environment for many reasons. Number one being that we weren't ready for a complete like let's flip this whole damn thing. Many of us weren't ready. Melissa said you actually did some things to prepare yourself. Just and it just happened to make that perfect transition to that. I would have had that same kind of thing where I could have done this. Dave, you lived in that environment anyway, so you could do this. But many of our, I would say the majority of educators, especially in the elementary setting, I would say, this is not, this is not, we're not built for this. This is not, you know, how do you do this? When that question that you were asking Mike, as far as about uh, Cheryl, how do you do this? We don't know how to freaking do this because we would never choose to do this, you know? And so we're placed in this time where it's freaking crazy. And in this article, I mean, that part about whether or not kids should have to repeat grades, whatever it might be, that should be the last thing that we're thinking about. Uh, It should be all of these other things that we're like, uh, we're not even, we're unsure of ours, of how we're going to turn out. It's just as humans, you know, uh, as far as life and death situations and illnesses uh, when fall comes next year. Sorry for and, my long answer. No, no, it's a good answer. And and Melissa, what do you what do you think of this equity? Like the other big piece of this is equity, right? And so you live in we all live in kind of different different places mm-hmm. in North America, and I think we all have kind of unique, you know, um, experiences with equity. I, I live in a fairly large city. It's one hundred and thirty, hundred and forty thousand people. Um, you know, and, and we're handing out laptops, the schools are handing out laptops to people that need them and stuff like that. But, uh, so how, how, how did you handle, you know, your equity issues at your school in your district with, you know, kids that needed access to devices and stuff like that? How was that, how was that handled? Um, Actually, I was really pleased with how our administration did it. And we're a very rural very, very rural area. I mean, there's 3,000 people in our town, but we have kids that can travel 30, 45 minutes to school because they live so far out. Mm, So I think that's our biggest problem with equity is those students who either don't have Wi-Fi or their Wi-Fi is extremely limited because Mm -hmm. they live so far out. They don't have very strong broadband. I mean, even just checking my broadband here, it has very low weak signal is what it's telling me. Whereas you and Glenn has really strong signal. Um, Danger, danger, danger. (laughs) um, As a district, what we did was right away, we just sent kind of an all call out to parents saying, Hey, we need you to call the school, contact the school immediately. If you have limited Wi-Fi, no Wi-Fi at all. And, what we ended up doing for quite a few kids, and I don't want to say unfortunately, but kind of unfortunately, uh, we had to do paper, you know, paper, pencil, packets, and do our best to give them similar things to what we're giving the majority of the students who have online. Our hmm. our high school and middle school was already a one-to-one device. So those kids all had theirs. And I think elementary has stuck mainly with, with their packets, uh, paper mm-hmm. packets. So 
most of our kids are online. Some of them are a little bit limited with Wi-Fi. So say with Google slide decks, sometimes I just have to give kids a few slides at a time and not give them the whole slide deck. Or sometimes they just have mm. to do something on a Google doc because Parlay won't come up for them. But I think overall, we've been really lucky that we've been able to deliver the educational resources to our kids. And we have a fabulous high school secretary who will go out into the country and deliver packets to the kids once a week, pick up other stuff because she's just hmm. flipping amazing. But reading this new time, New York times article, I think it is really just blaring out some of the issues that we have in education. You know, we take technology for granted and Big some time. of what these teachers are facing in this article of kids, parents, essentially just kind of falling off the grid and having no contact with them. I mean, I wouldn't even say it's concerning academically. It's more concerning for me for social emotional health. Because mm -hmm. that was one thing so our faculty did the very first week was we made sure that each kid on our roster had a teacher contact them, either by phone, email, text, and just check in with them and do that regularly. So over a week or two, we managed to contact every kid, make sure that they're mentally healthy and doing well. I'm worried for some of these kids that the teachers have tried and tried to contact them and, and they can't. And I worry, you know, how mm -hmm. are those kids doing mental health wise, family wise, you know, what sufferings are they going through that we don't know about? It's tough, man. This is complicated. And, uh, you know, we, we saw, it, it's funny cause we, we've talked about inequity and inequality and like districting and like all of this stuff it's all related it's if you didn't think that the political side of education has like impact on this mm -hmm. you don't know like you don't know what you're talking about first off like with all due respect but like the the way that we draw you guys draw your lines uh, and where school districts are and who goes to those schools and how much people make has a is a is directly now impacting the health of your schools and your school districts and their ability to educate kids who all have to stay home. Um, you know, rich kids have to stay home and poor kids have to stay home too. Everyone's at home, and. Um, you know, so now we're really seeing, you know, some of these inequalities, um, you know, come to life in such dramatic ways uh, that it's that it's really scary. Um, we're going to, um, like I said, link this in the in the show notes. It's it's a really interesting article um, with a lot of things to get you thinking about. And we'll um, I think we're going to do a a chat on education this week um, and we'll, we'll bring it up. We'll bring up some of these things. So we'll give you friends. We'll give you some homework. You got to go read this article. So you have some <laughs> thoughts, some thoughts ready. This is distance learning at its finest folks. Mm -hmm. um, I want to thank uh, Dave and Melissa for joining us. This is, I'm glad to see you're both well and, and healthy and safe. Um, that makes me very happy. Um, and, uh, that, you know, we got to do this, we got to hang out together for an hour and a, a bit 
and just kind of chat. We chat every day, but you know, it was fun to see your faces and, and chat otherwise. Uh, and thanks everyone for joining us. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. Want to support on education? Visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash oneducation. There, you can get access to full videos of the podcast and so much more. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or a review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. It helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening, stay awesome, and see you soon.